I thought I had another song to get my head right. Good morning. We, uh, we're still in the book of James, and uh, I've got some things I need to, I need to talk to you about. If you're, if you're not a member of this church, um, just hang in there for a minute. I think, you'll, I think it'll be good for you to hear too. Um, I'm going to start with a story. Back years ago when I was a church planter, <clears throat> we were, I don't know, four, four, maybe five years in. I know that uh, Aaron Vanderveen was our intern at that time and um, stood up and preached the gospel. And after the service, a guy comes up to me and he goes, I want to talk to you about becoming a Christian. Well, you're going to get my attention real quick on that. So I sat down with him. I said, well, you know, how can I help? And then he started laying into... He had walked in the door that morning with his family, and he was looking for what was wrong. So he got my attention by saying, I want to talk to you about being a Christian, becoming a Christian. And then he laid into the fact that he wasn't greeted and that the, we spent too much money on donuts. And, the da, 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 da. and he went on and on and on. And his face was red. And he was sta- after a while, he was standing up and he was in my face. And there's spittle coming out of his mouth and his face is red. And there were elders in the, in the room and they were watching it happen. And they did, they did nothing. And, and I'm sitting there alone and he goes, I'm just here. I'm trying to be a helper. And I very, and I don't know what came over me, the Holy Spirit of God, I hope. But I said, no, you're not. You're being an accuser. And he stopped and it hit him and he turned around and he walked away. Now, Aaron followed him out. He knew him and they had a good conversation. The guy apologized later and that was fine. But his intent might've been good. But something came over him and he became a finger pointer and he was suspicious and he was an accuser. And I just want to remind all of you that as Christians, I believe wholeheartedly, in fact, I'm certain of it, that in the world today with what's going on, we are being tested. And if you don't believe that God tests, well, read James, but look at Genesis chapter 22, verse 1. It starts off with sometime later, God tested Abraham. And that Hebrew word, the English translation is accurate. We're being tested. And God is trying to refine us and make us more and more his people. And I just want to remind us what James has told us as we think about our, the fruit that's coming from us. Um, this week, Last couple of weeks, there's been quite a bit of opinion sharing, which is fine. Every one of you has a right to talk to one of your pastors at any time, to talk to one of your elders anytime, to share your thoughts, concerns, ideas on what we should do, what we shouldn't do, when we should do it, and when we shouldn't. However, We got to be Christian. We need to be people who understand that when we're talking to another human being, how we say things is important is as important as what we say. And I get my friend Troy Doctor, who died last year. He was forty-six years old. He died of long long battle with colon cancer. He was the 
chairperson of the council um, at my former charge when things got tough. And he used to have a saying, he said, sometimes you gotta let the dogs bark. And it's okay to bark. You know, if I have a dog, our dog, he barks. Oh, does he bark? It's like splitting my ears. Sometimes you gotta let dogs bark. And I gotta, I gotta bark sometimes. I can't bark at the president. I can't bark at the CDC. I can't bark at the, at the doctors who are advising him. I can't bark at the governor. I can't bark. There's a lot of people I don't get to bark at. And then it's easy though to turn to the people that I can bark at and bark at them and kind of blame them for what everything's going on in the world and to share with them my opinions of what is or isn't happening. And I, nor you, really get to do that. We can share our opinions, but we don't get to bark. So I'll remind you of what James has said through this chapter or through this book. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing, uh, that the testing of your faith develops perseverance, and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking in anything. He tells us later on in that same chapter, blessed is the man who perseveres under trial because when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. He also tells us, my dear brothers, take note of this. Everyone should be quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Just a couple of sentences down further says, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. Same chapter, if anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Look, this is, I'm not accusing anybody. I'm not. But I'm your pastor, one of them. And sometimes pastors sit with you in your pain and comfort you. But I've never had anyone come to my office asking for counsel that expects me to not give biblical counsel. And as the person God chose thousands of years ago to be standing in front of you today in this pulpit, preaching to you in your homes, I gotta tell you what the scripture says. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father, and with it, we curse people who've been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine figs? Neither can salt. A salt spring produce fresh water. Folks, we're being tested how we behave tells us what we believe. People don't like James because it sounds like he's saying that our behavior is our salvation and not our belief. But all of the scripture is clear that there is no discerning or deciding or dissecting the difference between what we claim to believe and how we behave. There's a wisdom that comes from heaven and it's First of all, pure and then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy uh, and good fruit, impartial and sincere, peacemakers who sow in peace, raise a harvest 
of righteousness. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. And I'm going to speak to that for a second. There is something going on in our world. It is worldwide. And we should not fool ourselves and think it's only about a virus. Our enemy is not the elders who haven't opened the church yet. It's not the elders who might open it soon. It's not your pastor. It's not your, your friend. It's not any politician. The enemy is the enemy of God. And he wants desperately to make God's people not look like God. He wants us to accuse, to suspect. He wants us to become a salt spring when we're supposed to be producing fresh water. He wants us He wants us to turn on one another. And I think God is seeing if his people will be faithful. Will we trust him and not the principalities or the authorities of the air or the politicians and the policymakers? Will we be a people who trust that God is actually God? And will we behave toward one another and toward those who don't yet know God as if God is God? So I'm gonna, I've used this illustration before. I'm gonna say it this way. And it's hard to say in English because God is three in one. And so do you use singular pronouns or plural? I, I do not believe that the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are sitting around the living room coffee table right now saying, there's a pandemic and there's riots and there's, there's upheaval and what are we gonna do? God knows the future and he's asking his people to trust him in the future and submit ourselves to God, resist the devil who wants to make us accusers He wants to make us angry. He wants to make us bitter. And he wants to make us untrusting of one another and of others. Folks, your elders, I've known them all well. And I know all the pastors, some I've served with for up to seven years. They are all prayerful, faithful, and they all happen to be men right now, men seeking God's heart. And on those teams, there are as many different opinions as to what we should do next here as there are out in your homes. Let us know what you think. But don't be angry. Not one of these elders has ever led a church through a pandemic, ever. And neither have any of you. It is easy to make a decision about what we should do when you're not the one actually making a decision. So pray for them. They're all meeting tomorrow at 6.30 p.m. to talk about, yes, it's legal for us to meet right now, but is it wise? What does God want? And they are trying their best to discern the will of God. And I'm a believer in this, that God doesn't work best through a person, but through people. And he has ordained these people to make decisions, to discern his will and to make decisions for this time. 
And I think they'll make the right one. But it might not be the one I want. I have my own ideas. One more thing before we get to chapter five. And I hope to God, truly, that you, that you know I love you and that God loves you. And I'm just trying to remind us of the fruit that we're supposed to produce. James 4, the last verse in James 4 says this, anyone then who knows the good he ought to do and doesn't do it, sins. And I don't want to want to sin. Sometimes I want to sin. I got some things to say. I think some things that have been done wrong in the world and with our policymakers and all that kind of stuff. But where God has called me and where he's called you is here. It is not right for me to be angry with another believer because they're not doing what I want them to do. And when I say I, I mean us. So I'm going to leave out the first part of James 5, not because I don't think it's biblical, but because it talks about rich people who are defrauding their workers. And I, James had heard of something going like, and I've heard nothing of the sort here. So if you are an employer and you're trying to defraud people out of the pay they deserve, read it. Otherwise, we're going to start in verse 7. But before that, I want to I want to offer a prayer to kind of switch my mind a little bit. Lord, your words for your people today. I think what we've been talking about already are for your people. And I know, Lord, that my emotions were much more right at the bottom of my throat in the first service. And I hope this doesn't come off today as crass. This service is not my intention so I ask for your demeanor, your cadence, your spirit. I want to speak your words to your people, not my words for them. So Lord, speak to us. Give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive what you want us to see, what you want us to hear, and what you want us to receive. We pray this in the name of Jesus. And we listen through the power of the Holy Spirit that both convicts our hearts and comforts our souls for the glory of God our Father. Amen. Be patient, brothers, until the Lord's coming. See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop and how patient he is for the autumn and spring rains? You too, be patient and stand firm because the Lord's coming is near. Don't grumble against each other, brothers. Or you'll be judged. And the judge is standing at the door. Brothers, as an example of patience in the face of suffering, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we consider blessed those who have persevered. You've heard of Job's perseverance and have seen what the Lord finally brought about. The Lord is full of compassion and mercy. Above all, my brothers, do not swear, not by heaven or by earth, or by anything else. Let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you'll be condemned. Now, he takes his brother Jesus, who's the God of the universe in, with skin on, he takes what Jesus said, how he said it, and he 
pushes it a little further. Jesus said something like, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not swear an oath, you know, and, and don't swear by anything uh, under heaven or on earth or under the earth. But I say to you, simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond that comes from the evil one. James says, let your yes be yes and your no, no, or you will be condemned. What's he talking about? Integrity. Because what we do, I really didn't like it when I was a youth pastor and I kept hearing the, the vice principal at Holland Christian High School back then. He used to tell everybody, just remember, Jesus' name is on your jersey. I just thought that was kind of colloquial, but the more I think about it, the more wise I think that is. See, I, everywhere I go, everything I say, even though I don't like it and I love my anonymity, but I represent Christ. I am a, his child. And so what I say to someone should be blessing them. It should be true. And it should be helpful for building others up. It shouldn't be angry and accusing and mean. If any one of you is in trouble, you should pray. If anyone's happy, let him sing songs of praise. Is any one of you sick? He should call on the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. And if he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. Elijah is a man just like us. I, I, I get repulsed at these things. There's a few things that if someone tells me this about God or about me, I, there's an internal repulsion. Like if someone says, you're entitled to everything that Christ has. The idea, the word entitle or entitlement really, oh, because I don't deserve anything. But the, but the scripture tells me this. I don't like the fact that it says that Elijah was a man just like us because he was a great prophet. He was a man of great faith. But a few, several weeks ago, uh, standing up here, and I was talking about Aaron, the priest, who when the plague was coming and killing God's people, God told Moses to tell Aaron to go stand in front of God's people and to push back or call off the plague. And, and I said in the first service that week that I'm, I'm not like Aaron, but I'm going to stand before you. And, and Pastor Doug got me and said, don't you do that. You are just like Aaron. You wear the mantle of priest and prophet just like, just like he did. The scripture tells me and you that you are just like Elijah, just a man. And he prayed earnestly that it would rain or it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. This is when he was taking on Ahab, the king and, and, and Jezebel, his wife. The, they led the people to worship Baal and, and God had had enough. And he sent Elijah to say, tell them that Famine is coming. And Elijah prayed and it stopped raining. And then it says, and again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain and the earth produced its crops. Folks, that if a prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective, that's the only kind of prayer that's powerful and effective. Are we people that are trying to live in righteousness? Are we people that are trying to bless and not curse? Are we people that are 
quick to listen and slow to speak and slow to become angry? Are we people that, that just need to bark? Okay, bark. But when you speak to a brother or sister in Christ or when you, when you speak to the TV, those people are not your enemy. Whatever is trying to control them is. And then he ends with this, my brothers, if any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back, remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover over a multitude of sins. That is what we should be about. Those who have drifted and those who do not yet know that God is God, that Jesus is Lord, and that they are dear to him. Look, folks, we all get to that spot. I was talking last night, we were, we were talking to some friends, and um, one, of the, one of the people that we were talking to was having surgery, major facial surgery coming up. And, uh, and he said, I'm anxious, more anxious about this surgery than others. And he and I were talking because I've had lots of 14 surgeries. And, and uh, I remember each one of those surgeries, there came a day when I just lost it. I mean, just one day, a friend of mine took me after my Achilles was torn. He took me, it was in the middle of February. It was freezing cold. He took me to his taxidermist to pick up some ducks, mainly to give Lynn a break from me being in the house and he, he got out of the truck. He was going to go and pick up the two ducks and come back out to the, out to the truck. He thought he'd just be a couple of minutes. And, and uh, he, took, he turned the car off and he, and, he, and he went in the house. And 45 minutes later, he's still in there. And I'm sitting in this truck, freezing. I've got a, a swelled up leg and it starts to get cold. And I, I mean, I, if you would have walked by and seen the red face. I'm screaming at the top of my lungs. It was a woe is me moment. And I have words coming out of my mouth that I'm glad no one ever heard. And it was just one of those moments where I just, I, I, it was enough. I couldn't take any more. Each one of my surgeries, each one of my sufferings, I've had that moment. We got to have those moments. But if you can't yell at the people who are responsible, don't yell at the people who aren't. Your elders did not cause this pandemic. Every one of us wants to meet in public worship again. Every one of us wants this to be over. And every one of us wants the political environment to change. Every one of us. But we can only change what we can change. And what you can change is your heart. Pastor Chris was talking about this being Pentecost Sunday and that that the Holy Spirit changed his address instead of in the Holy of Holies or instead of hovering over the deep or the chaos, he now dwells within us. And, and if he dwells within us, then he, he actually changes us from the inside out. And how do we know that the inside is changing to the outside? It's by how we behave. It's how we treat one another. It's, it's, it's not accusation and anger and bitterness and strife and envy and rage. It's love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. You know what gentleness is? It's controlled strength. You know what self-control is? Self-control. The Apostle Paul, he says this. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, Whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, 
whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. And whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. He also says, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. One more thing. God is testing us. And the world, our city, our county, our state, our nation, our world needs hope. And we are the holders of that. And if we don't have it, the world is doomed. How will people know we have it? We love our enemy. We bless and we don't curse. We're slow to speak, quick to listen, slow to become angry. We're not bitter, rage-filled, hurtful. We don't return evil with evil but evil with kindness. And we seek the Lord because he's near. And we trust that he knows what he's doing. And we're not afraid. I have my moments that are counter to all of that stuff. And I know you do too. But seek the Lord. Because he's near. Let's pray. Lord, the title of this message is Patience, Integrity, and Faith. You tell us to be patient in suffering, to be people of truth, and to trust you. And when something's not going the way we want it, you tell us to pray and ask you. And Lord, sometimes I want you to do my will. But I know that your will wins. So as a child of God, all of us, we submit to your will over our own. And we trust that you know better than we do. You see the end of this and we can't. We can't control any of this, but we know that you are actually sovereign. Lord, remind us to love our brother, love our sister, love our mother, love our father, love our children. Remind us to love our brothers and sisters in Christ even if they're making decisions that I don't think are right. 
And Lord, if we're on the throwing end of things, I ask that you remind us and show us the fruit of it. And Lord, if we're on the receiving end of harsh words, I ask you to give us the courage that Jesus had and to forgive them because they don't really know what they're doing. And Lord, I ask that you give your elders in this church wisdom to discern your will and know when it's right to open things up and to let you be worshiped again corporately where the church can gather instead of remaining scattered. We pray these things in Jesus' name through the power that has changed his address to live within us for the glory of God, our great and gracious Father. Amen.